Good morning again. I want you to do me a favor. Everybody just stand up for a moment. Here's why. We've been here since 1050, and I've had the overwhelming question everyone's asking today is, how long is your sermon going to be? So what I'm going to do is it's going to be whatever it is. And so what you're going to do is stand throughout the entire sermon. I figured you've been sitting down through what an incredible morning we've had and it wouldn't hurt for you to stand up and stretch. So just stretch. If you want to turn and say hello to somebody, do that. And you can sit down whenever you feel because you're getting ready to have to sit through my sermon. So go ahead and sit down. What a great morning. I, uh, what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to take a break from 1 John. I, oh, I know you're disappointed, aren't you? I saw the awes in you. So we're going to take a break from 1 John. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, and these two handsome gentlemen will be glad to give you one. Take your Bibles and or your mobile devices, and do not turn to Google or anything else. Turn to Romans chapter 5. We're going to take a break for 1 John over the next few weeks. And we're going to look at, if you look at your handout you were given today when you came in, that, that small book you got when you came through the door. We had a lot of stuff in there today. We're going to look at what God gives us for Christmas. Kind of a little bit of a unique way, tying in with, with the baptism today. You'll notice at the top of it up there, a quote from Jesus Christ in the Sermon on the Mount. If you then, talking to the, the uh, gathered crowd, and primarily to the Jewish leaders, but he wanted them all to hear, Jesus speaks these words. If you then know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask him? For example, when your two-year-old wants an iPad for Christmas, You're a good dad, so, yeah, you give him an iPad, maybe. I don't know. But the beauty of understanding who your father is and understanding gifts is what Christmas is all about. I was reading a story this week about a dad who had six children. I think his name was Clint Scott, but I could be wrong. Dad had six children, and it was around Christmas that he comes home, and he's got this toy he brought with him. It's still wrapped up, and he brought this toy, and he gets the six kids together, and he says, okay. Which one of you deserves the toy? Which one of you is always obedient to mom? Which one of you never gives mom any trouble? Which one of you does exactly everything mom tells you to do whenever she tells you to do it? And the six kids paused for a moment, and then all of them in one voice said, Dad, you play with it. I'll let you think. Some of you will catch that one later on the way home. And that'll be good. You have a nice little joke you can laugh at at lunch, see? Oh, yeah, that was funny. So, Dad, you play with it. I'll let you think about that. All right, take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 5 if you have not. What we're going to do today, and if you'll notice your handout, there are five points. See that? And those of you that know me are thinking what? There is no way in West Memphis we're covering five points in one Sunday. We'll be lucky to get through point one. Well, a lot of this is just information I'm giving to you. I want you to have, and I didn't know any other way to do it. I thought this was the best way to do it. We're going to get through. I'm not going to 
exegete all these. I just like to use that word. Don't even know what it means, but I heard it's a seminary word, so I thought I'd use it, exegete. We're not going to exegete all these passages today. We're going to look at some general principles about what God has given to us as believers in Jesus Christ, as Christians. What has God given to us that makes Christmas so incredibly special to us? And in reality, what every day means to us. Why life is so special to us as believers. We look at, for example, the Advent candle. We talk about hope. We talk about joy. We talk about peace. Just the fact there was an Advent. Just the fact that Jesus came. Just the fact that by faith in Jesus Christ, I can be given paradise as my ultimate destination. Heaven Forever, because he came. He came to die for Randy. Because Randy owed a debt he could not pay. Jesus chose to pay it for me. And by faith in him, I can be born again. Today, we've had just an incredible visual aid about point number one on your handout. What has God given to us? So turn to Romans chapter 5 and look at verse 1. Therefore... Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. One of my favorite phrases in the Bible. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, the most incredible gift that God gives to us, mankind, at Christmas is you can have identification with him. The gift of identification. What we saw today from the people who came and and to be baptized, were saying, I identify as a Christian. That's what the word literally means. It means to be immersed in something where it totally envelops your life, and literally it means spiritual identification. I'm saying that as I am baptized, I am a believer. I am a Christ follower. From this time forward, I'm publicly stating to the church that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am a Christian. I've been born again. I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. I am a Christian. And I'm identifying with Jesus Christ, second person of the Trinity. He is God. I'm identifying with him. He came. He died for me. He rose again. He conquered sin and death that Randy Lockley does not have to worry about my ultimate destination because I am identified in Jesus Christ. I'm not going to stand before St. Peter one day and negotiate why he should let me in because I'm a really good guy and I did good things and, and I, you know, I'm not a bad person. No, I'm a child of God right now. I'm born again. I am in Christ. If any man's in Christ, Paul wrote, I'm a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. And the Greek structure of that verse is this. I've been given a new set of eyes, and I see everything differently as a believer. I have friends. I have family members. I have relationships. And every one of those, after I'm born again, I look at with a different set of eyes. I now look at them through the eyes of a Christ follower, as a Christian. I see things differently. I see myself differently. Life is no longer about me. It's about Christ in me, Paul said, my hope of glory. I identify with Jesus Christ, and that's what baptism is. You notice there on your handout, the, uh, Peter wrote, there's an antitype which now saves us. 
baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, not the water, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. Notice, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus came, he lived a sinless life. We'll talk about next week how special that was. He died the perfect sinless sacrifice. Hebrews puts it this way. He died for sins once for all, and then he sat down. The reason he sat down at the right hand of God is that his work was finished on earth. An earthly high priest was never allowed to sit down in the Holy of Holies, but Jesus sat down because he came, he died, he rose again. Had he not risen from the dead, we'd be wasting our time, but he did. He ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he ever lives there to make intercession for us. You better be glad. You don't want your attorney to be some knucklehead. You want your attorney to be Jesus. You want your attorney to be the Son of God. You want your attorney to be deity. Jesus is God. When I'm born again, I identify with Jesus Christ. Visually beautiful. I love standing behind the curtain in those good-looking blue robes. Now, a lot of us had blue robes on today. Not everybody could rock them like I did. I thought I looked exceptionally good until I looked down at my legs and I said, mm, I need to cover that up. I love standing back there realizing as ugly as this robe is, this is the most beautiful moment in the life of these people. Some ugly robes, but a beautiful moment because you're stating to the church, I'm one of you. I'm in. Not because I'm good. Not because I'm good looking, not because of my family, because Jesus has saved me. I identify with him. Number two, same verse, Romans 5, 1, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Second thing you get is justification. Justification. I love this word. The literal of justification simply means You are declared righteous. God stamps you paid in full. God stamps you clean. Remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross and he said, it is finished? That's what this means. The word is detelestai. It means a debt you owed that's stamped paid in full. Jesus paid my sin debt. So Romans 5.1 tells me, notice the phrase, peace with God. That with is extremely important. It means prior to my justification, I was in the other camp. Prior to my justification, I was God's enemy. Prior to my justification, I was lost, helpless, without hope in the world. But Jesus came, died. I was born again. I identified with him. God declared Randy righteous for only one reason. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from all my sin. By faith in Christ, I'm born again. And God says you're justified. There's two primary things I want you to note about justification. One, you are acquitted. That's what we just talked about. You are acquitted. Because you're going to stand in the court of judgment one day. Every human being is. You stand before Jesus Christ. He is the judge. You either stand before him as part of his bride, a believer, one who's born again, at the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat, and get your rewards, or you stand before him at the great white throne judgment, and you are separated from him forever because that's what you wanted. You rejected him. But when I'm born again, God acquits me, declares me righteous, and I am his child. How many of you have children? 
Okay. How many of you think your children never make a mistake? All right, good. I liked it. That was a child raising for your dad, right? You were helping Gary. I, I appreciate that, man. That's big of you. I love my children and I love my grandchildren, but God knows they make mistakes. Don't they? Your children ever make a mistake? Well, let me ask you this. Will they ever stop being your child? No. That's the beauty of understanding. There's a reason God uses phrases and, and words like father, brother, sister. We talked about family last week. That no matter what I do, whether you like me or not, if you're a Christian, I'm in your family. Everybody, everybody got that crazy uncle in your family. You just, I said, nut. Trust me, I've got, there's some people in my family, you look at them and say, well, I don't, I'm not sure they're human. I've been to some weddings, and I, I now we won't get off on that, because I can tell you, you'd be laughing so hard, you'd be crawling home. If I told you some stories of my family. But you know what? You're still my family. I can't change it. I got two brothers, and nothing I can do about it. They're still my brothers. I love them. I want God's best for them. A man the path they've chosen with their life is just miserable. I love them. They're always going to be my brothers on earth. My children, I love my children. I love my grandchildren. God loves you. And when I'm born again, I'm your brother, whether you like it or not. And you got to, oh, that crazy, Randy. I'm, we were joking yesterday. I'm coaching basketball over at Arlington High School, uh, Elementary. That's probably going to be a big mistake before it's all said and done. Because yesterday I'm coaching, the coach on the other team goes to church here. In a few weeks, I've got a coach against Richard Lay. His team goes to church here. The guy that, guy that runs the whole program is going to get the complaints about Coach Randy. Goes to church here. So every time I win a game, it's, it's going to be like, whoa, look at that. Whoa, dog. That guy's a preacher? That happened to me a couple of years ago when I was coaching another league, and I'm just, I'm getting a little intense when I'm coaching. And I'm yelling at one of the kids. I'm just you know, trying, to get, trying to get him to do what I told him. He's not doing it. And somebody I've known forever turned to her husband and said, listen to that guy yelling at those kids. And he turned to her and said, that's Randy Lockley. She went, what? <laughs> that can't be Randy. Now, whether you like it or not, if you're, a, if you're born again, you're in the church of Jesus Christ, I'm your brother. I'm that crazy uncle that you kind of like, do we really have to invite him to Thanksgiving dinner? Can we not figure out a way not to invite him this year? The beauty of understanding, God loves Randy in spite of Randy. I was sharing with my class this morning. I love to read the Bible. Just for, I love to study it anyway, but I love to read it just understanding relationships. The guy that guy, and it shows you God's grace. The man that God chose to lead his church, Jesus chose to lead his church for the first, for the early church prior to, when it was still at Jerusalem, prior to the dispersion, prior to the persecution, prior to the Apostle Paul, the man that Jesus chose to lead his church was Peter. Peter let Jesus down. Peter denied him. Peter was a bigot. He didn't want anything to do with Jews, excuse me, with Gentiles. He didn't want to let them in. Yet God said, Jesus said, I need you, Peter, to feed my sheep. You, Peter, to feed my sheep. So if he can use Peter, he can use crazy Randy. The beauty of understanding who you are in Christ. Justification. You're acquitted. You're in. Your sins are forgiven. Secondly, you are accepted forever. What we've just been talking about. You're accepted forever. 
From the moment I was saved, April 19, 1970, as a 16-year-old punk kid, from that moment forward, for all eternity, I am a child of God because I'm in Christ. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. That's it. I am a child of God, and I will be with Jesus forever because of what happened at Calvary. God has declared me his. Number three. Now, look, this is a, a, an historic moment. I've covered two points. <laughs> I've covered two points, and we might even get through three or four. I, I'm really excited about this. And therefore, we're going to go to one o'clock today. Y'all don't mind, do I think we need to stop and just cry a little bit. I really do. All right. Peace with God. That's the third point. We've talked about it, but let's look at it a little more. Peace with God. Number one, you're reconciled to God. We talked about that briefly. You were his enemy. You are no longer his enemy. You're now his crazy child that he's trying to keep straight. You're reconciled to God. You've been brought back from the slavery market of sin. Romans talked about it in great detail. To now you are in the family. You belong. You are a child of God. It's the removal of the barriers of separation. The barrier of sin and death that's on every human being. Every human being is born with a sin nature. And unless they're redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, they're separated by that sin. But once you're saved, once you're identified, once you're justified, those barriers are gone. You have the presence of God in your life, the Holy Spirit indwells you, convicts you, leads you all the time. You are God's child. Those barriers have been removed. And probably my favorite way of understanding this, we talk about it all the time, is I have a relationship with God as my father. For example, you go to work tomorrow. I know they'll think you're crazy, but do this anyway. Go to work tomorrow. Just go up to everybody and say, would you describe God for me? And they'll go, I'm sorry, I've got an appointment. Or isn't it, isn't it time for me to go clean the commodes in the break room or something? Just ask people, would you tell me who God is? Some people will stumble around. Some people will have an answer. Everybody has an opinion, right? I don't care who you are. You have an opinion. If you're an atheist, what's your opinion of God? Deep. There ain't one. Uh, you, can, you can quote me on that if you like. And an atheist believes there's not one. If you're an agnostic, what's your opinion of God? I'm not sure. You can prove it to me. If you're a humanist, what's your opinion about God? I am God. I am God. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a belief system. Everybody has a philosophy of life. Prior to my getting saved when I was 16, I went to, my mom had us at church every Sunday. We talked about God. We didn't talk much about Jesus, but we talked about God. My opinion of God was this. I believe he exists. I know he's out there somewhere. I don't really understand him, but I'm afraid of him because I'm not as good as maybe I need to be. And I wasn't a bad kid. I just a kid, but I was afraid my scales weren't going to be balanced the right way and God would have to get me. I was terrified of God. And then I got saved. That's what this point, relationship. I went from 
God is the man upstairs or God is the judge or God is the force. I went from, I don't know who God is. I believe in him, but I don't know. I went from that to he's my dad. You see, I did not have a good relationship with my earthly father. I had no relationship with my earthly dad. But when I got saved, I had people explain to me and teach me that you have a father. Not your earthly father. You have a heavenly father who knows how to give good and perfect gifts. James says all good gifts come down from the father of lights. My dad owns the universe. Remember when you were a kid, you used to like to tell people how your dad could whip their dad and that kind of thing? Because my dad was John Wayne. I figured he could whip anybody. And then you get saved and like you go, you know, you, you go, my, okay, your dad, big man. My dad owns the universe. My dad spoke it into existence. My dad walked on water. Whoa. No, he wasn't Bear Bryant, but he walked on water. My dad was his God. In Romans, in this very book, Paul refers to God as daddy. Abba, father, my daddy. It's not an accident. God wants you to know he wrapped his arms around you. He loves you in a perfect way. As an earthly father, I, I want to be a good father. And hopefully I have been, but I'm not perfect, am I? Neither are you. But my heavenly father is perfect. No errors, no mistakes. He's never not there. He's never on vacation. He's never not available. He's my dad who loves me with a perfect love. And I can crawl up in his arms even if I'm the only person in the room. My dad's with me all the time. Never asleep. Loving me. What an incredible gift. I have, I'm at peace with God, and therefore I have the peace of God in my life. That's a Christmas gift. And I hope what you get out of this little series is, is this one very important thing. When you think about Christmas as a Christian, what you ought to think is that for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave you identification. He gave you justification. He gave you peace. He gave you himself. Paul put it this way, quote, he himself is our peace. At Christmas, when you sing, you hear it all the time, you maybe even be tired of songs already, but one of the phrases you'll hear all the time is peace on earth, goodwill toward men, right? Let me tell you what literally that means. He's talking about the baby Jesus. He said he brings peace on earth to men of goodwill. So what it literally means is that baby brought peace, was bringing peace on earth to men who would come to him. Not peace between nations, even though ultimately he will have that, but peace in an individual's heart. We talk about how, we we talked about this a few weeks ago, how are we going to change our world? How are we going to defeat terrorism? The only way it's ever going to change is when Jesus Christ starts changing individual hearts individual hearts to get rid of that evil that caused you to do stuff like that. Only God can change a heart. Only God can miraculously take you from an enemy to his child because you trust him. You no longer have any fear. He's my dad. You don't have to worry about death because when you die, you go home. You're on vacation. 
You love vacation. Don't you love to get back home to your family? As a Christian, we're on vacation for God. When we die, we go home. The Bible makes that very clear. Not something we created to make ourselves feel good. It's the way it is. It's the truth. The doubts that I have, I have answers to them because of the truth of the word of God. The last night Jesus was on earth in the upper room, he said some incredible things. We preach the upper room discourse, but I just want to read you one quote. In that night, his last night on earth, he's with those 11 guys. He's going to the cross. He's going to die. He's going to rise from the dead. He's going to ascend back to the Father. They are terrified. The upper room discourse begins by, let not your heart be troubled. His hour had come. He knew it, and he said to them three or four times, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. And in the middle of that, he said these words, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We see all the crazy things that are going around, and we think our world is just exploding with evil, and it is. But Jesus said, your heart can be at peace because I leave you my peace, not a worldly peace, not a peace you could get anywhere else. It's unique. Only I have it, only I can give it, and I'm going to give it to you. Peace I leave with you. I hesitate to do this because it's setting a precedent. Point number four. I'm doing this because Russ and I have a bet. If I get through this sermon, he has to take me to Jim's restaurant to eat. I'm just kidding. Gift of access to God, verse 2, Romans 5, 2. Through whom, Jesus Christ, we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Access. Notice, we have access through Christ. This, when it says we have access, that does not mean when I die, I get to go to heaven, even though that is a truism. What it means is, right now, Christmas 2015, December 6, 2015, tomorrow, the next day, any moment you desire, because you are a child of God, identified, justified, at peace with God, you have access to the God of gods, the only true God, the God who is there, the omnipotent one, the creator, Jehovah, Yahweh, Elohim, God, the great I am. You can talk to him anytime you want to, and you call him daddy. Man, I get chills when I think about that. My dad is God. And there is no other. And he says, Randy, talk to me. Listen to me. Read my book. Do what I tell you to, boy. And you'll be happy. You'll be at peace. You'll be blessed. Access. Faith by faith. Notice, well, we're not going to do it. We'll just do it this way. Verse 2 again, through whom we have access into this by faith. Notice how he puts it, verse 2. By faith, we have access into this grace. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. Into this grace in which we stand. Currently, as you live your life every day, you stand in grace. You're saved by grace. You live by grace, and you'll ultimately go home by grace. Grace very simply means God gives you something you do not deserve. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Short. 
You cannot by your own efforts attain to righteousness. You have to go through the gift of Christmas, Jesus Christ. That's the only way. You cannot be born again any other way. You cannot be declared righteous. You cannot be saved. You cannot be God's child any other way. And the beauty is it's the same way for everyone. It doesn't matter how much money I have. It doesn't matter what I've done. Everybody is a sinner. You may not have killed anybody, but you've thought about it. And Jesus said, if you've thought about it, you're guilty. You may not have even thought about it, but you've sinned in other ways. And it really doesn't matter. You're born separated. God says, I'll give you access. Grace. And notice the other, my favorite word, the end of verse 2. And we rejoice in hope. Hope. I love that word. My favorite word in the Bible to describe Christianity. Because it does not mean I wish and maybe and it might be. The word means confident expectation. I know. My hope is in Christ. Verse 2. The hope of the glory of God. And that glory of God means the honor and dignity that I have in sharing God. I want other people to know who God really is. That's what it means to glorify him, to honor him, to dignify him. Not just talk about him, but live him, share him, be Christ, Christ in me. Let people see it because I'm his child. And finally, number five, I'm going to have to go to the hospital when we get through. Drop down to verse five. Hope does not disappoint the confident expectation. I don't have to worry about being disappointed. Because of the love of God, which has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us, the gift of God. The final gift is the presence of God. The presence of God. We have security. We have love. We have the Holy Spirit in our hearts because of Christmas. I want us just to read. I'm going to read verses 6 through 10. Let me tell you what this is. 6 through 10 is an expansion of... It's an expansion of verse 5, how he explains it. To me, when you read verses 6 through 10 in my study Bible at home, here's what I wrote next to it, Christmas with an exclamation point. So follow with, with me as we read verses 6 through 10. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would be given dare to die it would even dare to die verse 8 but god demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners christ died for us much more than having now been justified by his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him for if when we were enemies we were reconciled to god through the death of his son much more having been reconciled we shall be saved by his life The hope we have does not disappoint because it's in Jesus Christ. Back in the 17th century, there was a preacher and a guy who wrote hymns named Samuel Rutherford. And Samuel Rutherford, the church was being greatly persecuted by the king of England. The king sent for him to put him on trial ultimately probably to put him to death. And as chance would have it, Samuel Rutherford was dying when he got the message from the king. This is the king of England. He says for him to come. And here's what 
Rutherford sent back to the messenger. He knew he was dying. He said this, quote, you go and tell your master, the king of England, I have a summons from a higher court. And before this message reaches him, I'll be where few kings and great folks ever come. You might be the king of England, but you ain't Jesus. You might be the president of the United States, but you ain't God, even though you might think you are. There is one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, and he came at Christmas to give us peace, justification, identification, access, and the presence of God in our very midst. I hope you celebrate Christmas and love it. I love this time of year. I love it because it reminds me how special every day is. Christ in me. You bow your heads, please. Father, we do thank you that Jesus Christ is real, not a game. He came, he died, he rose again that we might be saved. We might have eternal life. We might know you in a real way as father, not the man upstairs, but my daddy. We thank you, Father, for identification and justification, for access, for peace. Lord, we just thank you that we can know you, your presence. We thank you, God, that you are there. I pray, Father, for those of us that are believers, we'd be excited about Christmas, sharing with our kids, sharing with our friends, our people we work with, family, who Jesus really is, not who they think he is, who he really is, what he's done, what he did, what he accomplished, what he continues to do. And we'd be thrilled about our lives every day in Christ. Lord, for somebody here who's not a believer, maybe through seeing the baptisms, they realize I need to be saved. This might be their moment to say to Jesus, I need to be born again. Thank you for dying for me. I need that peace Randy's talking about. I need that identification. I need to be justified. Please save me. What a great time to get saved, Christmas. So Lord, we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen.